Welcome to Music History Monday for March 29, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Beethoven's Funeral. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the funeral of Ludwig van Beethoven, 1770 to 1827, on March 29, 1827, 194 years ago today, in Vienna. It was a grand affair. Tens of thousands of people lined the route of the cortege. The funeral itself was attended by Viennese luminaries of every stripe, from the aristocracy to such composers as Franz Schubert, Johann Nepomuk Hummel, and Karl Czerny. Speaking strictly for myself, Beethoven's virus-compromised 250th birthday celebration continues to rankle. As I have previously stated, with tiresome regularity, I fear, it is my intention to continue that celebration, which should have concluded on the occasion of his 250th birthday on December 16th, 2020. But I'm going to continue it well into 2021. Just so, my Music History Monday and Dr. Bob Prescribes posts for the next two weeks will feature the B-Man and his music. This is all good. Funerals in Vienna. The Viennese have traditionally had a thing about funerals. Far from being merely ritualized grief or memorials to those who have passed, traditional Viennese funerals elaborate affairs with their grand caskets, long parade-like processions, and impassioned theatrical eulogies seem as much like Mardi Gras parades as they do funerals. Vienna even has a funeral museum called the Bestattungsmuseum, Vienne, meaning Funeral Museum Vienna, dedicated to the Viennese perspectives on death and Viennese funerary art, customs, and burial rites. Vienna has, as well, an undertaker's museum, which documents Viennese society's fascination, uh, might we suggest unhealthy fascination, with death and burial. It's just a tad kinky, I think. The Viennese obsession with a schöne Leiche with a beautiful corpse, began immediately after the final defeat and exile of Napoleon in 1815 and the subsequent explosive growth of wealth in the Vienna-based Austrian Empire. People would save for years and spent small fortunes on their funerals. They wanted to assure themselves a grand send-off. They wanted to be remembered and remembered they were. For those who witnessed the spectacles of these funerals, they were an open-air party, a reason to sing and drink and debauch, to live and celebrate life to its fullest in the face of inevitable death. According to Vitigo Keller, 
the curator of Vienna's funeral museum, a Viennese funeral, quote, was theater for the people, no ticket needed, unquote. Not coincidentally, the Vienna Funeral Museum is run by the city's largest funeral company, Bestattung Vienne. While the company remains steeped in tradition, it is keeping up with the times. Among other things, in 2008, it began marketing a cremation urn shaped like a soccer ball to complement its line of traditional and more modern shaped urns. But in fact, only 20 to 30 percent of Austria's dead are cremated. According to the funeral museum curator, Vitigo Keller, quote, we have room for decades more in the cemetery, unquote. That's because Vienna's principal cemetery, the Zentralfriedhof, is freaking huge. Opened in 1863, it covers 593 acres and is, in terms of its number of internments, over 3 million, the largest cemetery in all of Europe. Beethoven's own grave was moved to the Zentralfriedhof in 1888. Beethoven's death. Music History Monday for March 26, 2018 marked Beethoven's death. The post was entitled, We would raise a toast to Beethoven, but well, that would be inappropriate because the great man's immediate cause of death was cirrhosis of the liver. The canard that Beethoven died of lead poisoning has been convincingly put to rest, despite what one might read on Wikipedia. We would quickly review Beethoven's bad health and demise, if only to make us all feel better about our own present health. No one would ever accuse the adult Beethoven of having been in robust health, even by the standards of his day. Along with his chronic hearing disability, which began in 1796 and eventually resulted in clinical deafness 22 years later, in 1818, Beethoven suffered from smallpox, rheumatism, and rheumatic fever, typhus, colitis, and all sorts of skin disorders and infections, abscesses, eye inflammations, in particular conjunctivitis, or pink eye, chronic bronchitis, inflammatory degeneration of his arteries, colic, irritable bowel, foul body odors, and extreme halitosis, meaning bad breath. <laughs> I've said it once, and I'll say it again. Not a one of us would ever want to be stranded in an elevator with Herr Beethoven. At the end of his life, let us add to this woeful list of disorders hepatitis, pancreatitis, jaundice, and cirrhosis of the liver. The poor guy was a mess. What might loosely be defined as Beethoven's health began its mortal nosedive in the autumn of 1826, when he was a couple of months shy of his 56th birthday. That's when he began suffering from some seriously alarming symptoms. Along with all of his other chronic issues, his belly and feet became painfully swollen, his appetite disappeared, and he suffered from constant thirst. In early December, 
he came down with pleurisy, inflammation of the tissues that line the lungs and chest cavity, and then pneumonia. The swelling was caused by Beethoven's cirrhosis. It triggered acute ascites, the buildup of fluid in the abdomen, what was then called dropsy. By mid-December, it had gotten so bad that Beethoven felt as though he were suffocating. Beethoven's doctor, Andreas Ignaz Warruk, 1773-1842, ordered in a specialist who, on December 20th of 1826, in the presence of Beethoven's nephew Karl, his brother Johann, and his former secretary Anton Schindler, quote, cut into Beethoven's abdomen and inserted a tube. Water spurted out. 25 pounds of liquid, by Walruk's estimation, and an afterflow from the tube several times that much. It was all perfectly ghastly." Unquote. Beethoven's doctor estimated that an astonishing 150 pounds of fluid drained out that day. Beethoven said to the doctor, quote, Professor, you remind me of Moses striking the rock with his staff. Unquote. Yeah, some joke. According to Beethoven biographer Jan Swafford, quote, at one point the incision became infected and gangrene was narrowly averted. Three more tapping operations were performed over the next two months. At the fourth tapping, the water from his belly soaked the bed and gushed across the floor." Unquote. By mid-January of 1827, it was apparent that Beethoven was dying. When word got out, the local world beat a path to his third-story apartment, what in Europe is called the second story, at Schwarzspanierstrasse 15, in a building called the Schwarzspanierhaus. Schwarzspanierhaus means the house of the black-robed Spaniards, so-called because it had once been part of a monastery built by black-robed Spanish monks. In 1781, it was converted into rental units. Painfully, and despite tremendous contemporary outcry, the building was demolished in 1904 in the name of progress. Beethoven's was a slow and painful death, slow enough for him to figure out what was happening and for him to at least attempt to put his house in order. Beethoven wrote a will in which he declared that, quote, Carl van Beethoven, my beloved nephew, is the sole heir to all my property, unquote. Here, approaching the end, Beethoven finally acknowledged Carl to be his nephew and not his son, as he had so painfully insisted upon for so many years. At the end, Beethoven's thoughts turned to his Rhineland hometown of Bonn, and his regret at never having had the opportunity to see the Rhine River again. Desperate for at least a taste of home, he requested that the mines-based publishing house of Schott send him a bottle or two of local Rhine wine. That gift of Rhine Valley wine, a case of 1806 Berg Riesling, arrived on March 24th 1827. Anton Schindler brought the bottles to Beethoven's bedside 
and Beethoven whispered, quote, pity, pity, too late, unquote. Those were his last words. He was given a few spoonfuls of the wine and then fell into a coma. The end came two days later, late on the afternoon of March 26th. As snow fell and a violent thunderstorm raged outside, Beethoven suddenly opened his eyes, lifted his right hand, and clenched it into a fist. When his hand fell back to the bed, Beethoven was dead. Of this, Joseph Kerman writes, quote, Truth can sometimes be more romantic than fiction. Unquote. One bit of romantic fiction that for many years has been taken as truth has to do with the one person who was with Beethoven when he died. According to Beethoven's friend, Anselm Hüttenbrenner, who was elsewhere in Beethoven's apartment at the time of his death, that person was none other than his sister-in-law, Johanna, with whom Beethoven had been involved in a death feud for decades. Ah, uh, were it but true, what a story of reconciliation that would have made. But in fact, the woman was in all likelihood Beethoven's housekeeper, Sally. Gross indignities. Beethoven's autopsy was performed there in his apartment in the Schwarz Spaniel House. When his body was lifted out of his bed, it was discovered that Beethoven's back was covered by dreadful bed sores. The autopsy revealed that his auditory nerves had withered away and his liver was greenish blue, shrunken and pebbly with disease. In order to get to Beethoven's ears, the doctors conducting the autopsy had cut his facial muscles and tendons, a disfigurement permanently recorded in Beethoven's death mask, which was prepared by the Austrian painter Joseph Daniel Danhauser after the autopsy. Then came the lying in. Beethoven's body was placed in an expensive oak coffin, which itself was placed on a gilded stand. His head lay on a white silk pillow and was crowned with a wreath of white roses. In his hands, crossed in front of him, were placed a white lily and a cross. Arrayed around the coffin were eight candles on stands. For two days, visitors came and went, many of them doing what they did in those days, cutting off a lock of Beethoven's hair. By the time the coffin was closed in anticipation of the funeral on March 29th, Beethoven's head was completely bald. While all of this was going on, Beethoven's former secretary, Anton Schindler, who had worked for free for years, was busy stealing whatever he could get his hands on. He stole four bundles of Beethoven's conversation books, letters, music manuscripts, and Beethoven's alabaster clock, his ear trumpets, and his eyeglasses. Schindler eventually made a small fortune selling these effects, but not before he altered and even destroyed whole conversation books in order to glorify himself in the eyes of posterity. How do we spell putz? The funeral. Beethoven's funeral was remembered as being one of the most spectacular 
ever conducted for a commoner. Businesses were shut. Schools were closed. Writes Jan Swafford, quote, The coffin was brought down to the courtyard of the Schwartz Spanier house, covered with a richly embroidered pall and laid with wreaths. Priests droned and a choir sang. When the door of the courtyard was opened, the press of people streaming in made it difficult to lift the coffin and start the procession. Finally, it got underway. Among the pallbearers was Johann Hummel. Among the torchbearers was Karl Czerny, Franz Grillparzer, Karl Holtz, Ignaz Schuppenzig, and Franz Schubert." Unquote. The cortege, led by a brass band playing the funeral march from Beethoven's Piano Sonata Opus 26, wound its way to St. Stephen's Cathedral for the funeral service. The cathedral was packed to the extent that many of Beethoven's friends and relations had trouble getting in. Following the service, the procession made its way to the parish church and cemetery of Waring. It stopped at the church for more prayers and music, and then moved on to the front gates of the cemetery for the eulogy, which was not permitted to take place within the cemetery, as it was not recited by a member of the clergy. The oration was written by the famed Austrian playwright Franz Grillparzer, 1791-1872, and was delivered by the actor Heinrich Anschutz. An estimated 20,000 mourners were gathered to hear the oration. It is, indeed, quite moving. We will conclude by hearing it in brief part. Quote, Ludwig van Beethoven was an artist, and what he was? He was through music. The thorns of life had wounded him deeply, but he held fast to his art even when it spoke through a deafened ear to him who could no longer hear the music he carried in his heart. He was an artist, and who shall stand beside him? As the behemoth sweeps through the seas, he swept across the boundaries of his art. He traversed all. He comprehended everything. He was an artist, but also a man, a man in every sense, in the highest sense. Because he shut himself off from the world, they called him hostile and callous. He withdrew from his fellow men after he had given them everything and had received nothing in return. But until his death, he preserved a human heart for all men, a father's heart for his own people, for the whole world. Thus he was, thus he died, thus he will live for all time." Unquote. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.